Good morning. Come on. Good morning. It's great to be here with you this morning at High Point Church. My name is Andy. I'm the lead pastor here. Always a pleasure to be here with you today. We're starting a brand new series called Two Words That Can Change Your Life. And as you heard in that last announcement, we have a little uh, visit to the park and a little hike up Kennesaw Mountain if you are so interested. Even if this is your first time here today, you're welcome to come and enjoy a good time together. I know there was a little bit of some audio challenges with that. This has been our first run with some video announcements. So thank you as we're uh, getting better at all the things that we are doing uh, as a church. Come on, baby. Yeah, that's right. Getting better. Guys, it's a new season. It is the season of Thanksgiving. You wouldn't know it because of all the Christmas trees out at every single store. But it is the spirit of Thanksgiving. If you have an Apple TV and you use that at all, all the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving Christmas TV shows and movies are being pushed your way to buy and rent and watch. It's, it is Thanksgiving time. And so with that in mind, we wanted to talk to you a little bit and preach some sermons and, and get your mind and your heart interested in, in the things of God as it pertains to giving thanks. Two words that can change your life. I'm going to go ahead and ruin the surprise. It's thank you. I know. I just blew your mind this morning. Here's what I want you to do. Stand to your feet. And we're going to read from the, the, the Word of God together this morning. We're going to read from the Bible. We're going to start from uh, the book of Psalms, Psalm 100, 1 through 5. Are you guys ready this morning? Are you alive today? Are you ready to be thankful today? Yes. Psalm 100, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. And we are his. We are his people. The sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Father, be with us this morning as we desire to grow, uh, to become more like your son, Jesus. God, some of us are carrying some very heavy weights this morning, just uh, either life choices, God, just the weight of life. Lord, we, des we desire to give that to you, to cast our cares upon you. And to really walk in greater relationship with you this morning, would you help us to do that? And would you help us, God, to give thanks? It's in your name that we pray. Amen. And everybody said, amen. You can have a seat. What are you thankful for today? You do not need to answer that. That is a rhetorical question. But think about it in your seat. What is it that you are thankful for today? In a world where people are literally dying, 
in line for a Popeye's chicken sandwich. That is truly happening. It's mind-blowing. But in a world where we are this desperate for a chicken sandwich, in a world where you're at the grocery store and you're at Kroger and you're losing your cool because the person who is checking out has more items than the line is permitting. Some of you know exactly what I mean because you were about to lose your junk yesterday at the grocery store because that line said 10 items or less and that person has to have 33 items at least in their cart. And you're frustrated or you're tense in a world where you get up and you brush your teeth and you get your clothes on and you literally get your coffee or your tea or your water and you hustle out the door to work and you've got your buttered toast on a napkin in your lap while you're trying to get to work, you know what I'm talking about. And you're in an hour of traffic one way to work God knows how many hours only to then get in traffic coming back the other way. And my question for you is, what are you thankful for? Because if you're not careful, you will live your life in a perpetual state of frustration and angst or anxiety or anger or losing your temper. And we will not posture our hearts to really give thanks to the one who deserves all of our thanks. We serve a God who is great. And sometimes in the flurry of activity of our lives, we just forgot, we forget to acknowledge the goodness and the greatness of the God that we serve. We're so busy. We're carrying so many burdens. And we just don't stop long enough to acknowledge how wonderful he really is. And David, King David, the writer of Psalm 100, he reminds us that when we come together, when, we, when you walk into God's presence, when we come together for worship, we should do so with thanksgiving on our lips, that we should enter his courts with praise. And that we should be giving thanks. And for many of us, there are other words that are coming quicker to our lips much faster than thanksgiving. What are you thankful for today? What do you need to stop and acknowledge God for? Did you know that the average person takes 23,000 breaths every single day. Your body takes in oxygen and then your, your body processes it with a very complicated system uh, with your lungs and you exhale carbon dioxide. Now I realize there's a lot more to it than just that, but 23,000 breaths, and when you get up in the morning and you make your way to the shower or brush your teeth or get downstairs or get to the car, you know what you are never thinking about is whether or not you are going to take your last breath or whether your lungs are going to work properly 
on Monday morning. You don't even think about it. And so when we talk about what do I, what do I have to give thanks for, I can help you out real quick. If your lungs are working and you have breath in your lungs, there is reason to give thanks to God. What an amazing God who has developed your bodies to work with the level of sophistication and complication, all the systems working together. Did you know that your body, that your heart beats about 100,000 times a day, pumping six quarts of blood around and through your body, unless, of course, you go to burn boot camp, and then your heart beats about 900,000 times a day. And you literally have to thank Jesus that you're even alive at the end of it. Your blood makes a complete circulation every three minutes from one part of your body all the way back around. And over the course of the day travels approximately 12,000 miles. And you're never thinking one time about it. We serve an unbelievably masterful God. A God who put the heavens in place, who breathed the stars into existence, who hung the sun in the sky. Did you know that your eyes blink about 10,000 times a day? And that the average person, your eyes create moisture. And that moisture, every time you blink, is designed to help pull away dust and dirt and germs from your eyes. Your, your body does this, and you don't ever think about it. You blink 10,000 times a day, and you never think once about the fact that God has made your body do this, and you're not sitting here worried about whether or not dust is going to get in your eye. And I'm talking about three systems of your body right now. Your heart beating, your lungs working, your eyes working properly, and I'm talking about just the tiniest facet of it. We serve an unbelievable God who is worthy of praise and worthy of worship because he is magnificent. And there is none like him. Are you with me this morning? See, giving thanks, we have all these involuntary things that are happening in our lives. Not just your body, but things you don't think about. But I'm inviting you to begin thinking about it. And while you have involuntary things that occur, thanksgiving is always a choice. It doesn't, happen, it doesn't happen involuntarily. When you and I give thanks, you have to do it by choice. Which is why when you have children or if you've ever seen a child, you have to train them to be thankful because kids will not be thankful of their own accord. I have bad news for you today. If you think your child is the one exception, they're not. Which is why you hear an adult say the same thing about 400 times a day. When something nice is done for your child or you give something to your kid or you fix them a glass of water or you bring them some food, the same question is posed every single time. What do you say? 
What do you say? What do you say? Thank you. What do you say? Thank you. What do you say? Thank you. What do you say? What do you say? Thank you. And you train them. You train them. And you train them. And while they may not fully understand the heart of thanksgiving, I want you to understand this. That as you get used to saying thank you, and as you get trained in a posture of giving thanks, while it may start out simply as words, eventually it's going to make its way to your heart. What comes out of your mouth precedes what comes out of your life. And so if we can train ourselves, if a child can be trained to be thankful, we can retrain ourselves to do the exact same thing, and that is to be thankful. We serve a God who is worthy of all of our thanksgiving. Do you know what he did for me, and do you know what he did for you? He sent his son Jesus Christ as the perfect sacrifice for you and I. Your sin and my sin, it required an accounting. God is perfectly holy, but, but my sin, my choices, my, my selfish desires, I'm not like God. And therefore, Jesus came of his own accord. God sent him, and he died for our sins so that we might have a restored relationship between God the Father and us. And that is, that is the gospel, the heart of the gospel. And that you believe it by faith. And it produces a heart of thanksgiving. If you have put your faith in Jesus today, if you profess that Jesus is the king of your life, you have much to be thankful for today. Even if you have circumstances that are difficult, or are challenging, or that are hard to even wrap your head around. Thanksgiving is a choice. And what comes out of your mouth precedes what comes out of your life. And I want my life to be a life that just exudes Thanksgiving. You know who's fun to be around? Thankful people. If you've been around me long enough, you've heard me say this before. I've never met a bitter, thankful person. It doesn't work that way. I've ne never met a really angry, thankful person. Urgh, but I'm thankful. No, no, you're not. You're not thankful. You're angry. I've never met someone that's just a raging ball of inferno, just and, and is thankful. In many ways, thanksgiving is the bedrock by which all the fruits of the Spirit get their life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And what's never mentioned here is somehow the spiritual fruit of thanksgiving because there's an innate just qualification that if you have put your faith in Jesus, there is a thanksgiving that, that, that comes out of you because you know who Jesus is and what Jesus has saved you from. And everything flows out of this 
truth. Don't believe me? Let's turn to Luke chapter 17 this morning. Luke chapter 17, 11, verse 11 through 17. Jesus is about to have an interaction with 10 lepers between Samaria and Galilee, I believe. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, verse 11, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Now, if you know anything about leprosy, especially in ancient times, leprosy is a big deal. Lepers were not allowed to exist in regular social circles. They were excommunicated because it was so contagious. And the first thing they would have to go do is, if they suspected that they had leprosy, they would have to go to a priest and a priest would inspect them. And I can't imagine that it wasn't humiliating. But wherever your skin outbreak was or whatever that looked like, you had to have a priest look at it to to determine whether or not this was in fact a contagious version of leprosy. And if it was, your life was immediately in danger because there was no cure. But just as, as, as horrible, you were an outcast from all society. Many lepers were required to wear bells so that when they moved around or they had to move in any sort of social environment, the bell would, would ring and anybody around them would know, this person's got leprosy, stay away. Embarrassing, humiliating, a total reject and social outcast. The law required that if someone was within a certain amount of distance that you were to shout that there was a leper present. And that you should be careful in your midst. You had to shout it. You had to make your disease known. They had to wear certain clothes. They cried, unclean, unclean. They oftentimes lived in special colonies in the wilderness. Many times in caves or tents. And tragically, people viewed leprosy as God's punishment to those who were terrible sinners. Here we find our ten men, our ten lepers, gripped with this disease. And of all, throughout the scripture, Jesus does miracle 
after miracle after miracle. And you know what marks so much of the scriptures for me? Is how few times people come back to Jesus and say thank you. I'm gripped by that. Because I don't want to be that person who takes and takes and takes, but never stops and pauses to say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for who you are, and thank you for what you have done for me. But time and time again, we don't see thanks offered to Christ Jesus at all. In fact, the disciples are terrible at it. We don't see a heart of thanksgiving produced in them until Jesus has risen from the grave. Most of the time, they're bellyaching about something. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Complaining, whining about this or whining about that. We see the woman, who, a prostitute, at Simon's house, falling on her feet and, and breaking a bottle of perfume open over Jesus' feet in, a, in an act of worship and gratitude, saying, thank you. And we see this man who finds Jesus after everything has happened, he finds him and he falls before Jesus' feet to say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can you imagine? First of all, Jesus does something here that's really unique. He doesn't just have a moment with these guys and line them up, you know, and kind of dab them with oil or kind of do his thing, you know, wave his arms, and they're all healed. You know, there, there's, there's no demonstration. There's no charismatic movement. There's no, there's no spectacle for anyone to watch. Nor do the, the lepers even ask for healing. They ask for Jesus to have pity on them. And they're doing so lawfully. They're shouting it from a distance because Jesus is a holy man and Jesus shouldn't be associating with sinners of this type. And not only that, would this holy man even dare approach someone of such contagion? We should shout out that we're unclean. Make sure that he knows that we're lepers, but maybe from a distance we'll ask if he can have pity on us. And that might look like money, that might look like food, that might look like prayer, but nowhere in the exchange do we hear anyone asking for actual healing. But Jesus, in his infinite compassion, he does. He does heal them. And he does have pity and he has mercy. But he does something really interesting here. He tells them to just start walking. Go find the priest. According to the law, you need to show him your, your skin again and let him make a ruling that you are, in fact, clean. And when he does so, well, then you would be welcomed back into society. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to just, the temple's that way. Synagogue's over there. Why don't you guys go ahead and start walking and present yourselves to the priest? Now, if you are a leper, if you're one of the ten, this is an unusual request from Jesus. Number one, you're not healed yet. And so you have to start walking and you have to exercise a little bit of faith here. And I love this about Jesus. He is drawing faith out of these ten men. 
If you will listen to what I'm telling you to do, you may not understand it. You might be afraid. You might be, you might be freaked out. But what I am telling you is start walking this way. And as you start exercising your faith, and as you start heading in the direction that I'm telling you to go, you're going to experience some healing. And many of us never get to this place because we're unwilling to trust Jesus in the areas that are confusing to us. We're unwilling to, to do what he has asked and to do what he has required. It's too confusing. It's too vulnerable. Why would I go to the, to the priest, quote unquote? I have leprosy. That doesn't make sense. Read my Bible, pray, go to church. How's that going to solve anything? And yet it's amazing time and time and time again when we begin to obey and we begin to step out in faith, even if it's just a little bit, God begins to meet us and those crooked places in our lives begin to start getting straightened out. Jesus isn't just after the condition of their skin. He's after the condition of their hearts. read verse 15 again. We're talking about men who are rejected, who are poor, forgotten, abandoned, probably bitter, angry, certainly hurt. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, paused. I can't even imagine what that would have been like to be walking along with nine other men. And you have leprosy. You have been an outcast. And somehow, somewhere along the way, this rash that is, or, or this skin condition that is extremely painful, oftentimes life-ending. Somewhere in the midst of you walking to the synagogue or walking to the temple, all of a sudden that pain that you, you're used to having, and you're just, it's just constant, it's always there, it, all of a sudden it's gone. And maybe you're walking, maybe you're fast-paced, maybe you're just moseying along because after all, all Jesus has asked us to do is go present ourselves to the priest. That's going to be embarrassing, guys. We all know we're lepers here, but somewhere along the way, healing enters these men's bodies and they notice it. And this man in particular, something's happened to me. I don't know how to explain this. I don't know what's going on here, but, but this condition that I had right here is no longer here. What's going on? The excitement, the overwhelming emotion of it, the confusion, the excitement again, the thought of being able to have normal conversations with people, to go to temple, to go to worship. To have a job, to have a family, to have children. And of all the ten, one of them decides to backtrack. 
to retrace his steps and to find the one who made it all happen in the first place, Jesus. He came back praising God and he did it in a loud voice. Nobody was going to mistake what he was thankful for. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. He wasn't even a Jew. This person wasn't even supposed to be saved by the grace of God. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. There's so many things being taught in this moment. One is to, all the, to a Jewish audience, they're discovering that Jesus has not just come for Jews, but he has come for the Gentile. The message of Jesus and his his message of redemption and salvation isn't just for a select few, but it is for the entire world. Jesus is Messiah and Savior of all. Every tribe, every nation, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But then there, there's another thing that takes place here. It, Jesus says, rise Here's a man who's thrown himself at Jesus' feet and Jesus says, rise, your faith has made you well. And the word well is not about the condition of his skin. This is a soulful wellness. In other words, Jesus is saying that your faith that has brought you back here, that has brought you back, you're the only one who's returned. And you, son, have got, gained something that no one else has gained. Everyone has gained healing from leprosy, leprosy, but you have gained a healing on the inside as well. There is a salvation that has come to your soul. Rise, get up and go. Your faith has made you well. When we talk about thanksgiving... When we talk about being thankful, we often don't associate it with being faithful. But I would submit to you this morning that, that having a life and a heart of thanksgiving starts with you exercising faith in who Jesus is and what Jesus can do for you. I'm going to say this one more time because we miss it. Jesus told these men to go, to begin to, to, to go to the priest, to show themselves, uh, you know, to, to the priest, to be inspected again. And all ten of them go. And as they're going, in their faith and in their obedience, even if they didn't fully grasp it or fully understand it, in their faith, God healed them. And one 
took one step further and, and began to backtrack and find Jesus. And he threw himself at his feet and he acknowledged who it was who did this. You are the king. You are the Lord. You are the master. You are the one who has healed me. And I am here with a loud voice to make sure that you know that I am grateful and that I am giving you thanks. Sometimes for us, thanksgiving is difficult because we don't see what God is doing and we don't understand what God is up to. And that's why faith is such a key piece to having a heart of thanks. Because when you understand, when you believe that God is good by faith, and when you believe by faith that God is merciful and that God is gracious, and when you believe by faith that God sent his son Jesus to die for your sins, and by faith that he's trying to make all things work according to his promises, and that he's working out all things for the good of those who believe him and follow him, when this is your faith, all of a sudden, you have the capacity to be thankful even when you don't understand what God is doing. Even when you don't fully see how God is working everything out. Even when you don't understand what God is up to, you can choose to be a man or woman who gives thanks. Because you are a man or woman who lives by faith and not by sight. Are you with me this morning? 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, We don't look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Because that's true. I can offer thanks even when things don't look good. I can be thankful when times are tough. Just because I can't see what God is doing, just because I don't fully understand how he's working things out, just because I can't connect all the dots, doesn't mean that I cannot be thankful. You and I serve a God who is at work in the shadows. He's at work when you don't see it, a God who is for you and not against you. He takes your broken paths and he makes them straight. We serve a God who is alive and not dead. Because you know who God is. His nature. His character. You can dig down deep. And you can find the well of thanksgiving that lives deep inside of you. Choose to be thankful. Some of you need to start walking this thing out. You just need to start walking. Similar to how Jesus instructed the, these ten men just to begin walking this way. Start going that way to present yourself. You're going to get there. And as you're going, you're going to experience a mighty move of God in your life. But you've got to start by having a shred of faith, a shred of obedience. And some of you, some of you are... are are the kind of people that you need to backtrack a little bit. You need to retrace your steps back to Jesus and thank him for what he has done in your life. 
You have been praying and praying and praying. You've been, the, you've been the leper or the beggar shouting out on the corner of the street. And God has come through. God has broken through for you. But instead of acknowledging what he's done, you've moved right on to the next thing. Life's busy. Life's crazy. Things are speeding by. And you need to stop. And you need to walk back a little bit and say, God, thank you for meeting me here. Thank you for meeting me here. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for working miraculously here. Thank you for sparing me here. Thank you for providing for me here. Thank you for delivering me here. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. been a hard week at the king house my last name's king if you're wondering what house i was referring to some of you were probably waiting for phone calls or texts that didn't come this week We've been working through a crisis in our family in St. Louis. My grandparents, who were 86 years old, were brutally attacked last week and nearly beaten to death by a family member with a golf club. Psychotic break, mental illness, and drug addiction all play into it. And as the only male in my family that's not in jail right now, there was a lot of work that needed to be done and a lot of praying and a lot of talking on the phone with doctors and police officers and nurses and physical therapists. And I've never had tragedy like this inside my family of, of this nature. We've experienced tragedy, but nothing like this. It's grotesque. It's the kind of thing that you, you, you watch on the TV or you see on the news that happens to somebody else's family. It doesn't happen to yours. Not to mention it's your grandparents. It's been emotional. But being patched through into the doctor's office, my grandfather was having multiple surgeries. And getting to actually talk to him on the phone. Emotional conversation. But out of all the things to be mad about or upset about or outraged about or furious here or bitter here, the posture was one of thanksgiving. Andy, I'm so thankful I'm alive. And one from the elders from our church growing up came to visit and began to pray. They began to pray prayers of forgiveness and prayers of thanksgiving. Being thankful even when it didn't make sense. Thankful for air in your lungs. Thankful for sparing my life. Thank you 
for this grandson, even though something is deeply wrong. We're asking that you would move. We thank you for his life, and we thank you for what you have not done, but we're believing you will do, and we are thanking you right now in advance for it. God, you are a miracle-working God, and with you, that which seems impossible, the Bible says, becomes possible. And because this is the nature of who you are, when I don't understand and when I can't wrap my head around this, when I can't comprehend, God, you can, and I put my faith in you, and that produces thanksgiving inside of me in ways that the world cannot possibly understand. How can you be thankful in a time like this? Because I know who God is and I know the God that I serve. He's a God that sets us free. He's a God that still heals. He's a God that turns impossible possible. He's a God that meets you in the living room when you've been attacked by a golf club. He's a God that meets you on the way to the priest, heals you. He's a God that's designed your body to work so flawlessly that you don't even have to think about breathing or blinking your eyes or your blood flowing through your body. And most importantly, he's a God who sent his son Jesus Christ for you and for me, that we might have life by having relationship with him. That you would bring your sin and everything wrong, everything broken to Jesus Christ, and that he would make it right. There's much to be thankful for. I wanted you to hear a testimony of, of somebody. Thomas, can you come up here this morning? Come on up here. We're going to close with this. So this is Thomas. Everybody say, hi, Thomas. So we have an incredible communications director here at our church. Her name is Jenny Bailey, the one and only Jenny Bailey. And every time you see things on Instagram and th see things on Facebook that are being posted and all the things, that is being orchestrated by Jenny. Not me, not some little phantom or ghost, this person right over here. And every once in a while, there, there will be a post that just resonates deeply with people. And one happened this past week where, where Jenny just posted, hey, tell us a testimony. Give us a story of what God is doing in your life and do it in three words. And they just started pouring in. Some from people I don't even know. I don't even know who is posted on our church page. Maybe they're friends of yours. But Thomas saw it. 
And he posted something that I wanted him to share a little bit more about because it testifies once again to a God that's worthy of our thanksgiving. Tell us a little bit. So I posted on the Instagram that I am sober. Um, I've been sober for a year now. Before, uh, without Jesus, I didn't really have a solid foundation. But uh, it all started when I started with the High Point. Um, I actually, the first time I went to High Point, or ENC, was Andy was there. Uh, what a coincidence, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I grew within the church and the people in the church, and I got, like, around people that wanted a better life. And my life's been great ever since then, you know. Yeah, I got baptized here, and I mean, I just grew, like, within the community, and it feels like a family environment here, and I'm grateful to be here. Yeah, we, we had our men's wing night two, two weeks ago, two Fridays ago, and you know, I'm messaging everybody and giving everybody a high-pressure invitation that they can't refuse, like, you better be here or else. And Thomas sends me a text. He says, I can't be there. He says, I'm going to pick up my chip because I've been sober for an entire year. Yeah, you can stand to your feet. That's exactly right. Come on. Amazing. Don't leave. you got to stay right here. And then Jenny posts something. She says, Give us that three-word story. And I was sitting at Panera working on things, and I just see those words. I am sober. Somewhere along the way of walking and beginning to obey and beginning to, to flesh out this thing called faith in Thomas's life, he's experienced some healing in his soul. And that doesn't mean that there aren't days that are probably difficult or things that are, that are very hard. I'm not suggesting that somehow the, 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 the weight of addiction is forever gone. But what is it that the Bible says that rise up, go, your faith has made you well. And there is a faith that's happened with Thomas that's even greater than his healing from addiction is that he has found a Lord and Savior who's changing him and has changed him from the inside out. And brother, that's good news. We're thankful for you. We're glad that you're here too. <laughs> Here's what I want you to do. We're going to pray for Thomas here in just a moment, but... Some of you are sitting here today, and you know, man, I need a moment. And the message has been all over the place regarding all the things to be thankful for. It's our opener. So get ready. The next several weeks, we're going to lock in on, on different specific things. But how can we limit what to be thankful for? For this God who is so big and so great and so wonderful. We can't. And today, you get to pick where you need to put your thanks today. What you need to thank God for. Father, we, we are forever indebted to you, first and foremost, for Jesus Christ. 
and what he has done for us, dying on the cross for the sins of the world, that we might know you and have relationship with you. God, we are also thankful that you are a God who is at work in the lives of your people. You're at work in this man's life, Thomas. Lord, you're at work in the lives of the people sitting here, people who weren't able to make it today. You're a God that still heals. You're a God that restores. You're a God that moves mightily. You're a God who works miracles. You are the God of all gods. There is no God like you. And today, we give you thanks. And we praise you. And we enter your courts with thanksgiving in our heart. We exalt you, Lord. Thank you for being our God. And thank you for being a good God. A loving God. We worship you today.